Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Now this morning, um, as, I, as we come to the morning uh, sermon, which is a continuation of our worship time together, and uh, I want to, you, you, one of the things you learn when you uh, prepare for preaching is uh, you never begin with an apology, okay? So this is a disclaimer, not an apology. Because <laughs> I know often, not often, but I know in the past, sometimes when we talk on these type of topics, uh, the response is, well, you know, I, I don't come to church to be exhorted or challenged. I, I come to be refreshed been a rough week, and I've come here just to be refreshed and encouraged, and I certainly appreciate that, and I hope that's been the case so far as we've sung and worshiped together. Our passage from Second Timothy 2 today, I consider more of a challenge or exhortation. Exhortation. Now, my disclaimer is, I didn't write it. <laughs> it's in the Bible. And when we're doing a book study, we don't pick and choose. Um, we, we work through the entire book. So I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 today. And we are going to uh, talk about and some exhortation with some, I think, some wonderful results if we take it to heart and allow God to speak to our hearts. Uh, let's pray as we do so. Again, I remind you, uh, this is not just a cursory, but this, let's, let's pray that God will open our hearts to his word. Uh, we are here today, we have heard his word through music, through worship, and it is good for us to come and be refreshed from God's word uh, in his house today. Father, we do thank you for the privilege we have of coming freely. We've sung that, we've come freely, freely, uh, and we give ourselves freely to you. We have sung this morning that we are here to, to be a vessel, to be your servants. And again, Lord, it's only because you love us. And Father, we love you. And we ask that your word would speak to our hearts, this epistle that was written over 2,000 years ago. And yet, Lord, at the same time, it was written to the church, the body of Christ, of which we are members. And so it is written to us. And may we take it to heart today. And may we live by it. In our dear Savior's name, Jesus Christ, name above all names, we ask this. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2. Uh, begins with this. Endure hardship. Verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 3. Endure hardship with us. Share in the hardship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our exhortation. Hardship. I don't like that. I don't like hardship, right? I like, I do everything I can to make my life if you're like me, you probably do the same thing. We go to great extents to make our life not so hard, right? I mean, that's just sort of my personal characteristic, and I tend to have that uh, desire. The Bible says we are to endure hardship. The Apostle Paul writes this, remember, to Timothy. Always remember the context of Second Timothy. There's good reason and good good historical reason to believe this is Paul's last epistle. And he writes this, that we have the prison epistles at the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Philemon. We have these prison epistles, we call them, because Paul 
at that time is under arrest and appears to be what we call house arrest. The Romans have him in prison. You read the end of the book of Acts. They're not really sure why they have him in prison. Uh, He's appealed to Caesar, so he went to Caesar. And he is there for a period of time, for some years, a couple years. And he's able to have people come to him. He sends letters out. As long as someone can help him pay the bill, he can live in his own hired apartment. But he's not free to move about the country. Okay? And so it appears what happened is he is released from this house arrest. And he does move about the country. And he does go out. He ministers. He serves. And we have First uh, Timothy, we believe, written during this period. And then we believe he was rearrested under Nero, this time under much more harsh, severe circumstances as a ringleader of this seditious group, the Christians, who now have a new emperor, Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a time of persecutions beginning. And it's going to have its fruition later on under the time of, of Nero to some very extreme extents. Uh, it's a time where it's dangerous. We will see as we get to the end of this book, the end of this epistle, that Paul says, people can't get away from me fast enough. I have very few people, think of that, of all these years of ministry, these churches he's planted, the people he's discipled and mentored, and yet they, they can't get away fast enough from Paul because it's so dangerous. And it's in this context, he, he knows he's going to be killed. He is going to be a martyr. I mean, I wonder sometimes, if I knew for sure that sometime in this next year I was going to be martyred for my faith in Jesus Christ, how would that impact my life? Paul is going to be martyred. He is going to be killed. And he knows that. And this is his last epistle. And he writes this to a, to a young pastor who is, because of his association with Paul, his life is also going to be in danger. I mean, think of it. And, and and so it's a very dangerous, difficult time. And, and Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, endure, share hardship of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of the translations use the word, and it's fair. It's a fair translation. Endure suffering. Endure suffering. I don't suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ too much. My life is not in danger. No one has threatened me this week. I'm well aware that I have brothers and sisters around the world today who could easily go to jail for coming to church, pastors for preaching. Uh, they could lose their source of income. Their families could be persecuted. We know that's true. And they are part of us because we are the body of Christ. And we should pray for those suffering believers around the world and for their testimony. Paul says, Timothy, endure hardship, endure suffering. Be a part of this great work that God is doing around the world. Be a part of it. Do your part. And then he goes to use three illustrations, three metaphors, if you will, that were very common in the first century world. And some of these are common to us as well, some more than others. But let's look at these three metaphors that he uses to describe what it's like to, I'm going to use the word, serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to think as I talk about serving and suffering and hardship, I'm not just talking about serving here at the church, although this is very important, and many of us, and many of you do this, and you have your place. This could be whatever God has placed you in your life. 
Whatever is going on, wherever, you know, I tell the young people, I tell the boys in Awana a couple of weeks ago that we're teaching, you have friends and people that I, I have no way to reach. I have no contact. You have coworkers, neighbors, fellow students, relatives, people in your apartment building, people in your homes, that, that only you have that context. They don't, they don't, they don't, I don't, but you do. And God has called us to serve. And God has called us to serve on this corner, these children that just went out, right? There are individuals who have prepared and they've taken time and they have committed to serving these children. There are people over in the nursery, the early childhood department, Wednesday night, choir, practice, committees, you name it. Women, oh, by the way, Women's Missionary Fellowship is this Thursday. And Alex Pierce is going to be our guest speaker because he has recently come from Southeast Asia. And he is going to be sharing about the. He had a firsthand experience with many of our missionaries there. And I, I have been to Southeast Asia. Some of you have been. And I want to tell you, these people are sacrificing. They are serving. And some are in dangerous situations. We have missionaries in communist countries still in Southeast Asia that it is, they don't, they can't just openly share the gospel. It's dangerous. Alex is going to come and share about that. You should come if you can. Come to lunch. It's a great lunch. Men, you are welcome uh, to come for lunch. You're welcome to come early if you want and hang out. We'll hang out together and do something. But uh, come for lunch and, and be a part of this work. Know what's going on. Learn what's happening so you can pray. You can encourage. We support them. I want to encourage you, if you can, come this Thursday and be here for this presentation because these are the people we're talking about who are suffering hardship for the sake of the ministry, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says this, no one, verse, verse 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Suffer as a soldier of Jesus Christ. How many of you have served in the military here? Let's see your hands. God bless you. Thank you. Yes. Some of you have served in, well, you've all served in active duty. Some of you have served in wartime duty. Some in peacetime duty. The idea here is, you got to remember, in this world, Roman soldiers are everywhere. Remember, Paul is in, Paul's a prisoner. He has Roman guards in Judea, in all these cities, in Philippi, a Roman colony, in Ephesus, where Timothy is. These are all places where the Roman soldiers, it's very prevalent. I remember our first trip to Israel, how, I don't know if you were impressed, how it struck me, the military presence, right? Um, we don't see that here. I don't go downtown Seattle and see military all over. But in the Middle East, in another place, I remember getting off the plane and I forget our first stop. I think it was... Um, I came somewhere in Europe. Uh, it was in, we stopped in Europe and on our way back in Italy, first thing you see is somebody with the machine gun. This was back in the 80s. And every time I've been to Israel, I've been impressed with the, the military presence. Um, young people, young girls, girls, teenage, they look like teenagers carrying mach, machine guns and things, right? Because it's, it, that's the way it is there. There's this military presence that's everywhere. And the Apostle Paul and these people he writes to in Timothy, he says, listen, look at, you see the soldiers, these soldiers who are on active duty, they do not get involved in civilian affairs. How do you do that? How would you live a life and not be involved in civilian affairs? The word here is, what he says is, 
they don't get entangled in civilian affairs. They still have to eat. They still have to buy things. They still have families. These soldiers that served in the Roman government, they had life to carry on. But he says when they're on active duty, they cannot get entangled. Think of the word weaving or knitting, putting things together. This word is used of a, of a, of a lamb, for example, that would get its, it's, get caught in the thorns and his wool or her wool would get caught in the thorns and get entangled in irrelevant matters. It's interesting. The word that's actually used here is the word we get prag, pragmatic from and life. They don't get involved in the pragmatic life affair, meaning the everyday things that could entangle them. Why? Because they are on active duty. Paul says, Timothy, you are a soldier. Soldiers endure hardship. Soldiers don't expect it to be easy. Soldiers don't get entangled in civilian affairs to where they can't be on active duty and do what they are supposed to do. And he compares this to the Christian life. And this is a metaphor you find in the Bible for the Christian life. I remember in Minneapolis going to uh, the United Methodist Church, very evangelical United Methodist Church, and they had a, uh, a soul liberation festival. It was in an ethnic community, and we and they brought in some speakers, and they brought in some musicians. And I've told you before about Thomas Dorsey, who came. Thomas Dorsey wrote, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. He was the first author of gospel music, literally. He was from, you know, music history. He was a uh, piano player for Ma Rainey, blues, Ma Rainey, back in the 20s. Became a believer in Jesus. Life radically changed. And he came and sang for us. He was he was uh, very feeble at that point. He came up on stage. Somebody, this guy was taking him around and helping him expose him to to community, Christian communities that know their history about music. And he brought him up here. He sang Precious Lord. He told the story of that song. And then he, he sang this, I am on the battlefield for my Lord. I am on the battlefield for my Lord. And I promised him that I would serve him till I die. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I got that record. Yeah, a record. I bought it. In fact, I, I lost it. I lost that record. And so I ordered it off you know who, and <laughs> got a new copy of it. I remember that experience. I promised him that I would serve him till I die. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. Paul says, Timothy, you are an active, friends, we are in active duty. You know, we sometimes use the term full-time Christian service. And when I say that, you think, oh yeah, Pastor Jim, Pastor Gary, Susie, missionaries, you know, so, no. Are we not all on active Christian duty? When did you go off duty? When did you leave the service? We are all on active duty. And the Apostle Paul says, Timothy, just like a soldier who expects some hardship, who expects not to get entangled in civilian affairs to the point that he cannot be on active duty or she cannot be on active duty. This is who you are. And Paul says this. You are on active duty. And what's the reason? Look at, look at the reason. Look what he says here. The reason a person doesn't do this, the reason he or she in today's world uh, is the same thing. Why? Why? You want to please your commanding officer, the one who recruited you the one who gave you the privilege of serving, the one who called you into service. You want to please them. And obviously the connection to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we are called to hardship. 
It's, it's called Christian service for a reason. It's not called Christian vacation. It's Christian service. We are full-time Christian servants. And if there's hardship involved, we don't ask, we don't ask you to teach in our church our children and young people because it's easy. I have to tell you, my, you know, my original calling was in Christian education. That's where I got my master's degree in. And I served for 15 years in Christian education before I became the senior pastor here. And it really breaks my heart a little bit to see what's going on in the Christian world today. When major publishers have gone bankrupt because nobody will buy the curriculum anymore. And, 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 and Christian education. And, and you know why? You know, you know what the main, you know, the number one reason why churches don't do Christian ed today? Because they can't get help. Nobody will volunteer. I am, I am pleased to say at the Brian Bible Church, we have a high level of volunteer activity still at our church and commitment to ministry. And we have to have that. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy to spend time preparing lessons, spend time in prayer for your students and those children. It's not supposed to be easy. It's Christian service. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to spend hours preparing. These people don't just come up here on Sunday morning and just let's just see what happens. You know, uh, you know. I mean, I remember one time when my friends, uh, the quartet, they remember uh, Harold Jones. He was quite a. He got up one time and said, "Well, we save a lot of time by practicing this way." You know, (laughs) that's not what they do. They're not practicing. They they spend time in this, and it's hard sometimes. A choir. They come on Wednesday night. Our leaders. It's hard. Yes. Experience hardship. It's what we're called to. Look at the next one. The next one has to do with athletics. Oops, I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake here. Okay, well, somewhere right in there. There it is. Athletics played by the rules. I didn't do that by the rules. I got it backwards. Okay, there. Look at the next one. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Well, we know a little bit about, in the news recently, about rules in baseball, right? Yeah. You're not supposed to steal signs, okay? But what's Paul saying here? The next, the next metaphor is, is, is a soldier. The next metaphor is an athlete. I, I, I love athletics. I played athletics. I played from the time I went to Greenwood Boys Club as a kid, you know, playing basketball. I played in junior high. I played at high school. And I remember in high school and I remember in college for basketball practice, running those lines, you know what I'm talking about? Back and forth, back to the point. And until you just feel like you're going to drop. And especially the first day of practice. Oh my goodness. You know, you think, I haven't done this for how many months now? And, 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 but you do it. You do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you practice, and you practice, and you practice. I've watched our young people out here playing basketball and watched them make free throws and think, man, there's people making $100 million that miss free throws. <laughs> These kids are making free throws. Praise the Lord. Listen, we practice, we practice, we serve. And that's what's really going on here. You know, in the Greek world, in the Greek-Roman world that this came from, and it really came from the Greek world, there was an understanding if you were going to compete in... Olympics and athletics, 
you signed on to compete, you signed on to train for 10 to 11 months. That's an understanding here. They understood that. You are going to practice, you are going to, you're going to train, you're going to get ready for 10. In fact, you even, you even signed an oath to Zeus that you will do this faithfully. And if you break those rules of training, you're out. And also, in the event itself, obviously, if you break the rules, I mean, I think of like when the Olympics, how heartbreaking it is to watch those uh, relays, right? And you, I mean, it's just you watch those relays and you know you're going to win and somebody steps over a line passing the baton and what happens? You're out. You broke the rule. You didn't intend to, but you broke the rule. And Paul says, listen, being in full-time Christian ministry, which we all are, it's like a soldier on duty. There's hardship involved in pleasing your commanding officer. And there are things you sign up for. There are rules. There are moral guidelines. There are training and preparation guidelines if you are going to serve in athletics. Uh, Jim Carlson will be here next in a couple of weeks. I remember when I went back to Grace Bible College in 1971. Dale Amundsen and I went back in January. We went partway through the year. And Jim was the basketball coach. I knew Jim well from his time here. It was his first year at Grace. He was the basketball coach. We went into chapel, my first chapel, and we're sitting there. And Dr. Dean's up there talking. And he says, we want you to come to the basketball game tonight because tonight we're going to unveil our new secret weapon. And I said, that, uh-oh. <laughs> He's talking about me. I haven't touched a basketball in six months. <laughs> he was talking about me. And I thought, oh my goodness, why did you say that? You know. And sure enough, went out there against Grand Rapids School Bible Music, and I think I filed out in like 12 minutes. <laughs> I was not ready. I had not been in training. I was not ready. Paul says, listen, if you're going to compete in athletics, you have to commit to the training and the playing by the rules. And the Apostle Paul, he's telling this young man, Timothy, Young man Timothy, in a dangerous, dangerous time where he knows he's going to be gone. He knows the temptations. He's going to tell him at the end of the book, some of our dear friends, they've left us because they love the world more than God's work. Timothy, you got to play by the rules. And friends, if we're going to serve in Christian leadership, there, it, yeah, it's high. We don't just we don't let just anybody teach your children in our church. We don't look for perfection. We don't look for perfection. But we do expect a Christian lifestyle. We do expect a know Christ as Savior. And and and, and Paul says, listen, this is what it's like. You're a soldier. You're an athlete. Get the picture. And then finally the one I like, the one I really appreciate the most, this third one. The hard-working farmer should be first to receive a share of the crops. Boy, this is a, this is an, these are illustrations from life. And these people, this was an agrarian world. It was not as urban as your world and my world. Yes, there were Jerusalem, there was, Phile, there was Philippi, there was Ephesus, there's Rome. But it's, it's an agrarian world. And farming, and, and the idea here is, it's interesting, the Greek, in the, in the King James translation, I think it used the word husbandman, right? The, the husbandman. Well, you know where that word comes from, why they use that word in the early English? Hus comes from house, and bondi comes from dwell. 
And it means the house dweller. And the house dweller in that world was the one who was the farmer, the tenant on the land, or he owned the small farm, and he had to provide for his household. And he is the husbandman. He is the farmer. He's the, and also says, the hardworking farmer. You remember that, right? The, the ant and the sluggard, right? And the cartoons and so on. The world owes us the living, right? The old Disney cartoon. That, that, that he says, the hardworking farmer. Friends, farming is hard work. It is not planting tomatoes in your garden at my house. Where if they don't grow, it doesn't matter. I can go to Fred Meyers and buy them cheaper anyway. And then I spent on them planting them. Some of you have lived on farms. Some of you grew up on farms. How many of you grew up on a farm here? Let me see your hand, huh? Some of you, yeah. It's hard work. The cows don't take a vacation. The crops need to be harvested. They need to be planted. And the thing about farming, I love this analogy for Christian service and for our lives as Christians. When he says, expect hardship. Farming's hard work. It impresses me, those that are willing to do that. Because you have to wait for the results. And the results are somewhat out of your hands. You plant the crops. You tend to the crops. You hope there's a harvest, but some things are out of your hand, like the weather and the temperature and the locusts. Man, have you been seeing this in Africa? It's like literally the plagues from Egypt. Have you been reading that in Africa, in East Africa? These swarms of locusts that cover miles and just destroy. It's just like right out of Exodus. Things are out of your hands. The dust bowl. But a farmer is looking forward to the harvest. And you know what about that? What's interesting about that? The soldier oftentimes gets to participate in the parade of victory. The athlete, if he or she keeps the rules and disciplines hard, gets to wear the crown and gets the applause. You know what? There's nobody standing out in the field when the crop comes in. There's no applause. There's no two, four, six, eight. Aren't we great? For the farmer. The hardworking farmer. And friends, that's what it says as Christian, as servants of Jesus Christ. We are to be hardworking farmers. But look at the results. The hardworking farmer should be the first, verse 6, to receive a share of the crops. Timothy, these are dangerous days. I am counting on you. The lights are going out all over the place. We'll see that in chapter 4. It's going to be tough. Satan, just like the Lord said to Peter, Satan has desired to have you, Peter, but I have prayed for you. And as Peter tells us, Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Timothy, I'm counting on you. The Lord's counting on you to be a soldier, to be an athlete, to be a farmer to please your officer, to don't get tangled up so much in civilian affairs that you haven't got time anymore to serve. Don't break the rules, Timothy. And Timothy, it's going to be hard work. But there is a harvest. And look what he says here. This is a personal word from from Paul, the spiritual father, to his son, Timothy. Timothy, 
Reflect on what I'm saying, and the Lord will help you. The Lord will give you insight. Isn't that great? Timothy, listen, just remember this, please. Don't forget this. The Lord will give you insight. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember. Why, why would you need to say that? Why would you need to stop in the middle of this? And, is any, have you ever had to remember that? You know, I try to remember before I come in this auditorium to just stop in my office for a minute and just, just pray. I used to have a picture in my office that was I gave my mom one year for Christmas, and she, a picture of Jesus, old Jesus and she had it in her living room for a long time, and I had it in a certain place in my hallway before we kind of changed around there. And I would just kind of stop and look at that and just, God, you know, don't let me forget why we're here today. We need to remember. It seems so simple. But don't forget Jesus Christ. And you notice the context. And he, and he reverses it. And this is in the Greek language. It's first. He's raised from the dead. What's, what's, the, what's the implication there? The implication is Jesus suffered hardship for our salvation. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of, of blood, literally, physically. And, and even pray, God, if there's any other way, let this pass, but not my will be yours. He went to the cross at Calvary. He didn't have to. And Paul says, Timothy, when it gets hard, don't forget Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, and he's from the human family of David. He, is, he's, he was human in all aspects except for sin. He, it was hard. It was hardship in his life. He experienced every bit of it that we experience. But he endured it. Don't forget Jesus Christ. Well, let's wrap this up. Paul says, verse 9, because I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Paul says, this is my gospel. I'm suffering the point of being chained like a criminal. Chained. The Apostle Paul, chained like a criminal. And he says this. I love this. But God's word is not chained. Remember that commercial, you are now free to move about the country? <laughs> Paul says, I'm chained. I'm not going anywhere. I'm soon going to be martyred. Timothy, it's going to be hard. But don't forget, God's word is free to move about the country. While we sit here right now, right this instant, somebody is coming to eternal life and forgiveness for sins for Jesus Christ. God's word is not chained. And friends, word of encouragement to us. This is, this is an admonition, I get it. This is an admonition. This is a challenge. I, I know you came to be refreshed today and but again, I didn't write it, okay? What's the results of this? What's the results? The athlete receives the crown. The athlete receives the crown. And the, and the Bible tells us, Paul says, there's a, there's a crown of righteousness. There are rewards. I don't know what they are. I have, I have no idea. I'm sure it has nothing to do with us gloating or pride because that's a sin. But God will see to it. God will see to it. 
We are here to please our commanding officer. That's what's in it. If, if you knew that God received pleasure from your hardship and service, isn't that a wonderful thing to think about that? The God of the universe, that, you, that we can actually bring pleasure to him or we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And you will get to enjoy the fruit. I want to just say this word in closing. Where, where, where do you serve? Where, if, you, if you're serving here at this church in ministries, whether it's a committee, a teaching, a leading, a coaching, whatever it is, you're all busy. I am amazed. I mean, yes, I get paid to be here, right? This is my profession. I'm a pastor. I, I get that. It amazes me. What you, what you do, listen, as adults, parents, there has never been a generation of parents, never has there been a generation of parents who have so much opportunity to get entangled in other things, right? I mean, you and I could get so entangled so easily, and you know what? Raising children and young people is hard work. That is your Christian service. That is your full-time Christian ministry. If you're a parent here today, if you're a grandparent, as a church family, it's not supposed to be easy. You don't get to check out. It's like the hard-working farmer. Raising young people, raising young adults, investing in people's lives. It's not supposed to be easy. It's going to be hard. And there are so many distractions that will take you away and that, yes, I know you need your time. I know you need a break. I know you need refreshment. I get all that. But it's heartbreaking to see how many young people today and families that have checked out. And as Christians... If there is anybody who should accept and be committed and passionate about serving, even when it's hard, yes, even when there's suffering, for our young people, it should be God's people. That is our first calling. Friends, that is your first calling if you're a parent here today. That is your first Christian service calling. And as grandparents, that is our calling. And as a family of God, that is our calling. And it is our calling to serve our missionaries, to serve around the world. It is our calling to serve in our workplaces. It is your calling. And I know that sometimes you get tired of being a Christian at work. Right? Sometimes it'd just be easy to not be a Christian for a week. and Be like everybody else. You don't have that option. You don't get that option. Sorry, I didn't write it. Endure hardship. As a good soldier, as a disciplined athlete, as a hardworking farmer. And there will be a crown of righteousness. There will be pleasure to your commanding officer. And there will be fruit. Fruit 
from that labor. Because you know what? Ultimately, it's God's business, not ours. It's His job. He brings the fruit, not you. He gives the reward. He receives the pleasure. It's His ministry that we have been privileged to be a part of. God bless you. God bless you for being here today. You could be anywhere today. But you've chosen to come to encourage one another. God bless you. Let's sing. Let's lift our voices and let's sing triumphantly our last song and rejoice together in the work of God that He has privileged us to be a part of. Amen? Close in prayer. Let's just close our eyes and let's just take a minute of quiet silence. And would you give God thanks for the hardships that He's placed before you that will enable you to grow and to learn more of Him and to bring pleasure to Him. Father, we thank You for Your amazing Word, the power of the Holy Spirit to take this Word and to apply it to how we walk with You. We leave this place. And Father, we go into our mission field. It begins with those closest to us. Our families, our kids, our parents, our neighbors, our workplace. And Lord, may we be just encouraged, may we be energized, may we be challenged to embrace the difficulties and the hardships, because we know, we know it's those things that always draw us so close to you and bring the joy of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. We leave this place in the name of our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ, who suffered the cross at Calvary, but rose from the dead victorious over death, over Satan, over the clutches of sin that Satan would put on him. He was perfect and sinless to the end, and he is our example. May we walk in his footsteps this day. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's people say together, Amen. Amen.